When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 624. Uh, what are you up to this week? Uh, I've got just a uh, stand-up, and uh, my dad got his hip replaced, so stand-up dates and taking care of my dad. Oh, wow. Oh, that's nice of you. Yeah. So he has, like, a bionic hip now? He does. He has... My dad is mostly robot at this point. This is his second hip replacement. What does he do that he has to have hip replacements? He was uh, horribly crippled when he was younger. Oh, no. (laughs) He got hit on a motorcycle by a drunk driver when he was, like, uh, 19. Oh, Jesus. uh, Or, no, a little older. He was a world-class athlete who was, like, heading towards, like... Being like a professional athlete, and then like went and was in a coma for three days. And like they said, he'd never walk again had he not been like in prime physical shape. Oh my he'd god! Never walked, and so so you got all his post accident yes, genes exactly. <laughs> Um, well, that's always the joke. That my dad grew up uh, uh, super athletic, so he uh, ended up having two super artsy kids. Um, but uh, but yeah, so he he used to wear like super thick glasses because he's blind in one eye, and now he has robot eyes. What? Uh, yeah, it's crazy. My dad is like more machine. What do you mean he has a robot eye? They put a robot implant into his uh, eyes, so he actually no longer has... He went from Coke bottle glasses his whole life to no glasses with like better than 20-20 vision. And so how did the robot eye work? Uh, it's like a robotic implant that then sends the same messages that your cornea stuff would send to your brain. This is amazing. This is incredible. <laughs> I, w- I want that so bad. Yeah. I was I telling Katie well, Who doesn't it? want robot I eyes? I was yeah. LASIK, and he told me. I was like, that's I was like, no, I no, want. you got to get the robot eye. <laughs> Yeah, and, and so uh, so he can like see through your clothes and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. and then like it's really cool because if something's cold, you can like shoot it with lasers and that'll warm <laughs> it up. Well, see, I've been watching. I watched the season one of Helix. Oh, and uh, now I want Silver Eyes. Yeah, that is pretty so, cool. Silver Eyes are pretty. I also would, you know, I, I would also like to be immortal. Well, yeah, but there's but a, it, Silver Eyes. Silver is a good Eyes second would be place. cool. It's the silver medal being Silver Eyes. Yeah, that would be really rad. I just want is good the, vision. D- does that uh, does that aim higher? <laughs> <laughs> maybe if you had maybe if you had silver eyes you could see higher for better yeah. seeing maybe. goals. You got to keep your eye on the prize which is hard without glasses. Yeah. So um go get get what, are you going to get robotic eyes? Oh god no, I love glasses. I can hide behind them oh, along with true. the beard. Like yeah. I maintain that I look like I look the... like a disguise. <laughs> Kyle's always someone in else on the run would be like, oh, I will look like that guy from the Nerdist because he looks like he's just someone who's on the run. Well, we should talk to you in more in depth, but not today uh, because we're going to we get got. into the podcast now. And I also will say really quickly that uh, my fun, comfortable tour starts this weekend. Friday, Ooh, I'll be shit. doing two shows in Seattle. The first one sold out. I think there's a few tickets left for the 10 o'clock show. And then Vancouver Ooh. this Saturday. Following weekend, uh, Portland, Denver. Oh, shit. So please weather... That uh, is weather-wise, I hope that uh, it holds Portland's up. Portland's so been pretty good right now. I had a friend just get back from there. I'm not so worried about Portland as Denver. Well, they're high. It'll be fine. <laughs> no, they're high. Getting in and out of Denver 
You know, well, if the weather's you don't bad. Leave Denver. No, you're trapped. Wait, what? This is this is the end of the run. I got out day. once before. Uh, I could get out again. But barely. You missed the like closing worm mouth chasing after you as you were escaping. Oh, that's that, what that was. I appreciate that. That uh, that riff was brought to us by uh, Tim Burton. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was going Empire Strikes Back. Oh, you going Empire? Oh, you were doing. Oh, you're doing the Millennium Falcon coming but, but out. But it is. Right. Uh, it's just, it's an asteroid worm instead of a sandworm. It's a it's a it's a reference that works for Tim Burton, Dune, oh, yeah. Star the Wars. The 80s loved giant worms. Loved worms stuff. jumping out at people. <laughs> loved any kind of wormy. And if you were Tim Burton, it was a circus worm. Yeah, well, uh, you might as well. And if you're, yeah, he looked down at his socks and was like, "That, it's that," <laughs> but but animated. Uh, but yeah, the Fun Comfortable Tour is now uh, about to start. FunComfortableTour.com for tickets. A lot of cities coming up uh, after this month too, and more will be added. Which is uh, Simon Amstel, who's a, a, a British comic, a very famous British comic, who is now starting to uh, take over the states. Ooh. And uh, he, if you're a, if you're an Anglophile, you might know that he hosted a Nevermind Never the, the Buzzcocks for a while. Um, and uh, his tour starts in April in the United States. Info and tickets on his website at SimonAmstel with two L's. dot co. dot uk. So uh, look out for Simon Amstel. Uh, when he's on his uh, U.S. tour, and and go down a YouTube wormhole, <laughs> worm, we're back. We're back to the eighties. The YouTube wormhole is gonna uh, grab you from your seat and uh, and pull you down. Oh, that'd be awesome. All right, here we go. Start the thing. Now entering nerdist.com. I read a funny tweet that goes along with a picture, but the picture wouldn't even load, but I still laughed really hard at the tweet, which was, Billy Joel playing harmonica looks exactly like a dying Anakin Skywalker. Oh, you should, you should see the picture. It's, it's spot on, and it, like, you, you laugh, and then you get real bummed out. Because like, that would be horrible to hear that, that someone said that about you. How amazing would it have Darth been Vader, that was in Jedi when he's like... Please remove the helmet, and the helmet comes off, and it's Billy Joel underneath. Like, just for fun. Oh, you have the picture? Oh, no. Jesus Christ. It really does. Uh, It really does. That's better than my mind even made it. Billy Joel fan? Me. Yes. (laughs) Sure, sure. I don't believe what you're saying. You may not be a Billy Joel fan. I think I probably am. I probably, if I researched into it, (laughs) I would be. But sing, sing some of the songs to me. Did... Does that help at all, or no, was that no. not? He never came up on Buzzcocks. No, go on, do some more. Do some. More. <laughs> He's the American Elton John. He is. Oh, well, I, I like Elton John a lot. They toured together. They did, mm. they did, they did a big show in Vegas. Yeah. They did the two piano yeah. tour. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. I feel like I just don't. I, if you said the, the you sing know, me a hits. song, the piano man, and the piano <laughs> sounds like a carnival. <laughs> no one else. No, I don't think. I don't. And the, the cl- microphones. Uh, He's the closest that people in New Jersey ever got to go into the theater. Just the way you are. That's good organ work, right there. So good. Come on, right here we go. Don't go oh, sure. But isn't that Elton John? I mean, isn't that Stevie Wonder? No. That's Billy Joel. That's Billy Joel. He changed the sound a bunch. Billy Joel's like one of those guys that sneakily wrote a shit ton of songs you know. Because he always was doing somebody else's style. If you heard it, if you heard, you'd be like, oh, that's Billy Joel. 
Okay. I feel ignorant. You, you're not at no. all. You're not at you're all. You grew up in British. a different culture. You, there's sure, no sure. reason that you would have to know who Billy Joel was. I mean, I'm, obviously, I've heard of Billy Joel. I we just, have it's heard not that it. obvious. I don't think you... No, no, here's the deal. <laughs> we have heard zero Cliff Richard songs. That's well, not true. I've heard Cliff Richard songs. I've heard, I've heard Cliff Richard songs. Cliff Richard? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd rather know Billy Joe, I think. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. So how long are you in the States for? Are you tour, you're touring? I'm, this, is kind of a, this is kind of the promotional tour before the actual tour. Okay. This is me coming here and doing some of your television programs. Sure. Before, so that uh, I can inform people there is a tour. Happening in April. This is the pre-tour. Yes. Which is the little bits of tour that dribble out before the tour shoots out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, the dribble and then the shoot. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, yes. and are you going to go back to England for a while before coming back and doing the official yeah, there's tour? A, there's, yeah, there's two months of UK and Ireland tour before it becomes the American tour. You did a good job on Fallon the other night. Oh, thank you. What, what? was your favorite bit? Uh, I like the. I tell you the bit that I liked. It was the bit that made the audience uncomfortable where you referenced... Uh, remember the Queen was funny when we thought she just killed Diana? Like, right, yeah, they were a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> That, but that was a great bit, but Thank not you. uncomfortable where it was weird. But it it, it challenged them for a second, and I, I thought that was fantastic. Was, Were you calling him out when you asked him what your what his favorite bit was to make sure he actually watched it? It was a little bit of a call out. I yeah. think it was more me being unable to accept a compliment, so asking the question very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what happened. Well, because yeah. a lot of times, well, you know, like if you, especially if you do radio, they go, "Hey, you're really great at that yeah. thing," and you go, "What's your favorite thing?" I don't know. Yeah. The one with the don't thing. ask me. Don't you don't ask me. I ask you. What are you talking about? <laughs> don't, don't ask me. What about the trial here? Yeah, I but. think it's best to do uncomfortable things on those shows, maybe because they're so used to comfortable, mm-hmm. and also they applauded so much. Sometimes it was very the timing was all sort of strange on that show because they applauded the setups. So by the time I got to the punchline, sometimes they they were thinking, <laughs> "Why are you still speaking?" Right. It was really, it was quite tricky near the I end. I do seem to recall they applauded when you just mentioned the Queen. Yeah, I mentioned the Queen. They loved that. <laughs> I just, I in, their, in their minds, they're all yeah. writing jokes. This is what they're he wants when I'm he says from the Queen, Queen, right? I love this. <laughs> this is a strange. Yeah, it is interesting, but I, I also think that, um, well, as you know, American audiences can be very. Uh, Tight with uncomfortable material, like like if they if something that they might interpret as like oh he can't say that. I do think, in addition to what you're saying being funny, I thought that I think a British accent gives a little bit of distance for people. Like a, it's a safer like there's right. a, some type of a buffer that yeah, makes like it's them... okay. He'll be home soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're naturally charming in our culture. The British accent is very is very charming to the to the American ear. Well, that's true. That's handy, isn't it? So I think... <laughs> it sure is. I wish I had it every day. I don't think it works the same way when we go to England. I'm sure the American accent is uh, harsh and grating. Well, it depends who it is. Well, but we think you're. We think you're the center of show business, so we're very excited Thank by you. your, your glamour and you know <laughs> your history you. of you know television and film and comedy and all those things. Is that true? Does it does it is it is there a is is there a thing of like oh I you know I'm fine I can you know I can sell out the O2 here but I really want to make it in America. Yeah, there's a I've got a whole thing about uh, in this show that I'm touring about like coming here because. Otherwise, I'm some regional comedian. 
<laughs> you know, and I say to the audience, who's like a bit famous on one tiny island, if I go anywhere else, I'm you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it feels like, you know, it's a thing that, you know, and also it's just fun to be new somewhere. That's, yeah. that's you know, when my ego isn't driving me insane, telling me I have to be famous in America for no reason at all. I just come to the, you know, the peaceful realisation that it's just fun to be funny in a new place where people don't really know you yet. Yeah, because you don't get the, uh, you don't, you don't get the forgiveness points at the beginning. Right. You know, like people, you have to, it's, the forgiveness points are fun sometimes, but also if you're a comic, it's fun to earn it. Like, oh yeah, no, this, I, I made people laugh based solely on the jokes and the, and the, and the delivery. Or because they were whooped up into a frenzy on the Jimmy Fallon show. <laughs> whooped up into a frenzy. Well, what perfect was, way to describe it. Times. What was Letterman, Letterman is great. Yeah, I love Letterman. I love doing the Tonight Show. I mean, it was, you know, it's been a tremendous honour and privilege to do all these things. And I'm doing Conan in two nights. Nice. And uh, it's all very exciting because, you know, I've watched these shows uh, from England on YouTube. And, I mean, Letterman especially, I love. Uh, but Letterman, it's, I felt like it was the reaction of the audience was more more correct <laughs> in terms of what I was saying and what was coming back. But I think Jimmy, on Fallon, they were just confused that you didn't have pie on your face or playing a giant a, version. Yeah, of- he's such a, I guess he's such a kind human being. He went out before I went on and said, you've got to give this guy all the support you can give him. And then it felt like they, I suppose they all just wanted to, I don't know, it was like... I could have been doing anything, and they would have gone, oh, he's doing so well, just keep going, just keep going. <laughs> so when you do Conan, the, the, the Conan stage is really interesting because yeah. there's an enormous gap between the performer and the audience. Oh, that's great. There's, it's, it's, like a, it's, like a, it's a cavern. Yeah. And most of the audience is on one side of the camera. There's like a little bit on the left side of the camera, on the right side of the camera, that's where mostly everybody is. So, so it kind of, I think it, it threw me off, where it's like you, I felt like I was doing this and then that. Because I think I think what what can be what can be a little tricky about it is that, as you know, since you're used to performing, since you're used to dealing with the environment that you're in, you might try to lob to so that your words hit the audience, you know. Right, but when you're watching at home, you don't. It still feels intimate, so I don't think you necessarily have Maybe to I just, do that. I, I just won't. I won't do. Do you it. Want, want to do it now? Did I just? Sounds, did I just, sounds very old. I just talked you out of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. So I'm just you can cancel well, that. Now that right? your Wednesday nights free, you want to come back and do meltdown? <laughs> yeah, I'll do meltdown. Oh, you should do meltdown. You, you've done it before, haven't you? That's what somebody else said at the comic I, book store, the back of the comic book oh, store. Oh, that thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Thank you. <laughs> Sounds like a no. Yeah. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay, sure. Yeah. But that's later than Conan. Conan's at like five. You oh, should Conan at like I'm five. I'm getting on a plane straight after Conan. Well, you can push your flight, right, Jonah? Uh, Seems I like just you make really want to do it. this right now. Wait a minute. How about this, Jonah? Can you put meltdown on the flight, like British Airways? I'm sure. Can you take meltdown? I'll talk to Kamal, but I think we can make it make it work. I mean, I think if you could just, I'll tell you what, because you guys could be up in business or first or uh, whatever it is. And <laughs> Economy the, comfort. All right. Well, the audience, <laughs> the audience, you would put in. <laughs> the audience, you get nine more inches of leg room. It's worth that seventy-five bones. <laughs> I thought you'd made that up. Is that a real thing? That's a real thing. Economy comfort. Economy yeah. comfort. Oh, that's yeah, lovely. Yeah, it's basically the airline's way of saying here's some extra money, so you don't feel so bad. Yeah, it's yeah. slightly better. There's than... a chance to sit in what we used to have seats do. Yeah, yeah. actually nine be able to inches. recline yeah. and you know. Uh, oh, no, I won't come to Meltdown. That's the main point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, totally yeah. fine. 
But and I'm not doing Conan anymore. That was it. And I'm not going to bother with this America business. That was the whole. No. That was very. That was very easy to we just. We really uh, fucked it up. Dive bomb all that. <laughs> really. No, if, if he were completely committed to the bit, he would just get up and leave, and then like oh, yeah. no more podcast. Oh, he literally wouldn't commit. tour. Yeah, he but commit. also it would be blocking as well, wouldn't it? Sort of improv is yes and, and it, it would sort of I'd be committing to leaving, but also I'd be blocking. Yeah, right. I guess that's true. So I don't know. We'd have to bring in Amy Poehler and see what she says about. Well, that. I'll tell you yeah. what. I, I think you wouldn't be blocking. It'd be blocking this immediate. Improv, yeah. but that would give us something to. And I hate, do. I hate it when they do the walk off and they come back. Yeah, because I think you've got to walk off and keep. If you're going to walk off, you have yeah. to walk yeah. off. So, yeah. But I, I'm quite tired. I don't think I can be bothered to stand. No, the granola hasn't kicked in yet. <laughs> no. Like the blood sugar's still low. But when yeah. as soon as that kicks in, you'll start to feel a little bit better. Yeah, and I'll be ready. I'll be ready to move. Where did you start? Where, 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 where does your stand up start? Where did you start? I started in uh, college. Okay. At UCLA. So what's your point? Mm, you should have gone to UCLA. <laughs> oh, no. I was a 13-year-old child who... Me too! Oh, really? Yeah. And how was it for you? Not that great. Did your parents divorce? My parents divorced when I was 11. Not a lot of friends. Ooh. Yeah. And do you think that's why all the comedy and... Mm-hmm. Are you a comedian? <laughs> <laughs> nah, God damn you. Uh... Yeah, I was a 13-year-old whose parents divorced. I think I was trying to detract from the pain. It was funny so... when he was making fun of Meltdown. And now so... it doesn't feel so good. <laughs> yeah, right. Matt deserves it the most. Go after him. No, I hey, love you it. you with your face. <laughs> oh, shit. It. That's a sensitive spot. I do have a face, this guy. <laughs> what am I talking about? Did you want to know about my origins? I did. You're I want to hear your origin story. And why they hated so you. I did just I did a I was at a Saturday morning stage school like a drama club and there was an annual show and they said they needed something in front of a curtain while the dancers changed from their tap shoes to their ballet shoes <laughs> I said I would do stand up comedy having never done this before they said yes that will be fine oddly I did that I heard laughter I liked that sound I then carried on and in, and you from that point, or did you wait till you were older? I kept going till I was eighteen. Then I retired. Then two years later, I uh, came back, and I've been doing it ever since then. Well, that's been, that's a good story. A Sounds good story. like the first time you've ever said it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might have told Mark Maron the same one. Is that okay? Ah, oh, Jesus <laughs> sorry. Christ! I'm sorry. Uh, I, I take it back. Said it. I didn't say it as loud, so you got it. You got the louder version. I take. I, I totally take. Well, it now back. we got to figure out how to make it about us. Hang on. Uh, <laughs> um. So t- tell that story again as though you were in therapy. But <laughs> 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 we'll pretend you are your therapist, and then you can tell that story again. If you want to hear more about uh, Simon's rise to comedy power, listen <laughs> yeah, to check out WTF with Mark Maron. Yeah. <laughs> For the non-Cliff Notes version of the story. <laughs> but if you want the shorter version of the story, then you rewind. listen to this, this rewind. <laughs> rewind? Yeah, to earlier when he was just telling it. Rewind? You rewind a tape. Yeah, I think you can still call it rewinding you call if you're that? skipping what do you, back. What do you say, reverse? I don't know. Back that shit up? Back that ass up. Siri, back that shit up. Yeah. She might, like. she might actually. There's some good Siri Easter eggs. Oh, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry that we asked you. I asked you about that since you already talked to Mark about it. How no, was it's your, okay. Could you, could you just briefly tell us what else you talked to Mark about so we don't have to uh, do that again? We can rule out Mark here. Yeah. I can't, I can't, we won't uh, talk about Mark. I can't think. I can't think. I don't know. Did you talk about the boobs or anything like that? Boobs. Boobs are great. Like breasts. Yeah. We didn't talk about breasts. Well, let's talk about them. Okay. What's who's your favorite? (laughs) Great question. That is a great question. Thank you, Simon. Uh, What goes on here? 
Sometimes we talk about boobs. Okay. No, sometimes you talk about That's boobs. That's true. I know I'm not always, but yeah, I enjoy a lot. A lot of. Are you dating anyone? Yeah. yeah. Who are you dating? Uh, a lovely girl named Dory. 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 Yeah. Is she like a cartoon? <laughs> I got him. Uh, she. I mean, she's probably the least cartoony of any girl you've ever dated. Oh, That's very true. That's and so very you, true. you enjoy her. She uh, has great boobs. Okay, great. This will be. I mean, this is quite sort of. Uh, yeah, this could become misogynistic. I feel if we carry on, could come. <laughs> don't well, I don't know. He's not making a he's not making a, a judgment call based on that. That's just an attribute that he found. Yeah, you know. it's, a, it's a it was a nice bonus. Okay, Dory is actually the coolest girl that Matt's like. She is legit. Dory's fantastic. She is fantastic. She's the uh, executive editor of BuzzFeed. You ever go on that website? I've heard about. Yeah. It. Okay, that's her. She okay, that. great. She can maybe she'll write up some stuff about your thirteen-year-old comedy experience. Wow, and what okay. you said on Marin? She'd <laughs> <laughs> have to listen to Marin if she really wanted to hear the full story about it, though. I don't know. I'm just jealous because I always wanted to be a British comic. Oh, that's well, very true. Mm-hmm. In what way? Do you, what do you mean? I don't know. It's just cooler. Oh, well, you. I mean, not all of them. Are- uh, it was well, really, it was me. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> I understand. I'm similar. When I first started doing comedy, I thought about moving to England to like start, like because uh, mm. I was uh, I was into a lot of stuff that was happening with like Chris Morris and Charlie sure, Brooker sure. and um, and and especially more so even when uh, you know uh, Nathan Barley and uh, Greg mm. Marenghi stuff start coming out. Like mm. I was like, oh, they're doing more stuff. And then I realized I'm getting a very filtered version of everything it's like it's basically the stuff i'm getting from there is someone like making me a mix or something like that as opposed to like here there's like cool stuff all the time but like people there only get a kind of a filtered version of it yeah that's it yeah i can yeah. send you the the bad stuff if you want and then, yeah. you, can, <laughs> then you can feel better about yourself <laughs> um when uh, adam buxton gave us some stuff uh he came in he's like he's like here's some like uh, really cool stuff and here's some stuff to make that stuff look better oh okay that's good <laughs> he's lovely that adam buxton yeah he's great hmm how is the community of British comics? Is it supportive or is it is it is it competitive? No. Uh, what is it? I mean, there's definitely a there's definitely like two factions: the the people who are funny and the people who are uh, rich. <laughs> rich. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, I think that might be it. Yeah, that's the separation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think people. Are, yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I suppose I can't think of how to answer that question. People are nice, you know. You go and do maybe a charity gig with some other comedians, and everyone's nice to each other. And what? I mean, what do you? What are you? Where are you going? What do you mean? Like, how tight knit is the scene? Is is there uh, like a few shows uh, around town that like a lot of the same guys go up at and you know and hang out at? Is there like is it much of a hangout scene? No, no. It's kind of just do your shows and take off. It's difficult because it's been a long time since I was on the circuit. Yeah, yeah. And so mainly what I'm up. The only time I really ever see other comedians apart from friends is if I am. Doing some sort of charity gig. Yeah. So I'm not really, you know, wandering around Soho doing little yeah. gigs anymore. Well, it's, it's funny how, like, quickly, you know, it's, you start comedy and then, like, as you go on a few years, you realize there's a whole crop of kids that started underneath you and they have their own scene and then they have the shows that you don't know about. But I never felt like I had it. I just felt like I was just sort of, I don't know, I just felt like it was a, 
you know, an awful bar after the next yeah. awful bar where people weren't laughing for five years. <laughs> <laughs> it never felt like I was part of a cool scene. It felt like I was missing out on something cool <laughs> in order to learn how to do this thing. FOMO. Did you like the, doing the, did you like the Fringe? Yeah, the Fringe, that's, I mean, I feel like that was university for me. That's, uh, that's where I feel like, uh, that's, I suppose, where there was a community of comedians because you were there for a month and you got to know a lot of different people and saw a lot of shows and... That, yeah, I suppose that's where that sort of thing would happen. If you're looking for a community feel, that's where it would be. Well, it's kind of a, it's, it's a, it's a fun but creative war zone for a month, I would imagine, where everyone... I mean, it seems like it's almost traumatic. Oh, yeah, that's true, actually, because my perception of it now is going back, having become a bit successful and just going for, like, a week. <laughs> <laughs> and having people show up yeah. to shows. Yeah. And, yeah, and I call it a work-in-progress thing, <laughs> and there's no pressure on it at all. <laughs> You're not out handing flyers there, yeah. really. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. No, it was awful. That was awful as well. <laughs> <laughs> now you just tweet and you show up. Yeah, no problem. I'm going to be here. Look, people yeah. showed up. Oh, yeah. It's no good being an unsuccessful comedian. It's a nightmare. <laughs> the whole thing's a nightmare. Don't do it. Do you think people listening will be thinking about becoming comedians? Is that the, What's the audience? Who is listening to this? Who are these people? Um, well, I couldn't tell you <laughs> every panic. single one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are, I think there's a, there's a contingency of our, our, our fans, the people that listen, that will you know, tweet at us every so often. Hey, I tried stand-up for the first time. I love this. I'm going to mm-hmm. go out and do it again. And, yeah. I bombed last night. Help right. me out. I think people I just like hearing like how the stuff is made, you know, because mm-hmm. everyone, you know, all performers have somewhat similar goals, but just it's just interesting to see like how, you know, different people take different paths and interpret things in different ways mm-hmm. to express those things. And especially as a comic who's, you know, tr- coming over here and, you know, trying to sort of plant a flag and really, you know, b- make a name in, in the States. It's just interesting to sort of hear what the, you know, unless you already talked about this on Marin. Uh, it's, just <laughs> so inter- it's just interesting to hear. So it's just sort of interesting to hear because America's so big yeah. that it's, it, that, you know, like conquering this country can be a, a that can, has a lot of different meanings. Like, some people just, you know, they crush just doing colleges. And so if you're in the college circuit, you know mm-hmm. that. Some people are amazing just in comedy clubs. Other people do theaters. More, you know, bigger names will do a handful of theaters. So it's like some people are regional, you know. like it, So there, there's so many different types of scenes and so many different ways to attack it. And it feels like with, with British comics, with British comedy, it's because it's just smaller. It's just like a smaller, there's less people, there's a smaller landmass, you know. You're on television for a couple of years, and, you, and if you're funny, then you can actually fill big venues and people come out. It's just a, it's more challenging. It's a little bit more of a, it sucks more here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I've surrendered to the idea that I'll just keep performing and having fun and see what happens. I think, because uh, when I came here and did a residency a couple of years ago, or in New York, um, uh, yeah, my ego drove me a bit mad because it was like the first time we were, you know, I got myself a visa and we were going for some sort of some sort of thing. We were trying to do something here, yeah. And there were meetings with people, and uh, I was in New York doing this show, and uh, everything became about like where do I get to and what you know what do I achieve here rather than just enjoying being in New York doing the show. And somebody said, "You're in New York doing a show. If you're not happy now, you'll never be happy." And right. I thought, "Oh, I will never be happy." <laughs> <laughs> So I've now come to this place where I feel like this is the thing. This like I'm doing a gig 
uh, after this, and I will enjoy that gig. And then when I go on Conan, it will be terrifying, and I will try to enjoy that. And then I will go home and try to enjoy the UK. And I'll just try to enjoy it all, and then just die at the end. Well, nobody, like, no one ever, you always think that there's a, an, an external thing. It's like, oh, it's never now. It's like, oh, someday yeah. there'll be the... But no. Now, this is it. With you men. Oh, <laughs> you're so sorry. sorry. This is it. I'm so sorry, oh, man. <laughs> We're not representative of most of America. There are good parts. Okay, all right. Sure. Uh, Why don't you have a woman, you know? Katie. Well, she doesn't she, talk. I mean, she's just sat there listening. I mean, that's what you've got. You've got four men with a microphone in here and one woman with headphones. I mean, I don't know what... What it's is great this? Point. Yeah, we're all white, too. It's, a, it's not I'm a fair scene. It's not oh, fair at God. all. No. Uh, I think when we started, we... Um, I was much fatter. Matt was fatter. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, and how did, you, how did you lose the weight? Uh, it turns out if you eat less and exercise more. <laughs> flies but right it would off. have been an emotional issue, wouldn't it? The exercise or the eating? The eating would have oh, been you I were... struggle with that to this day. Yeah. yeah. What is the, what's the void you're filling? Uh, I think it's just the immediate gratification of uh, food. Like a sweet uh, something or rather. I think they're control issues. I think it's the breast milk that you're missing. Maybe it is. Yeah. Did sweetness. you bring some? I know. If you started breastfeeding Matt right now, Oreos. that would be so sweet. I could just put them in your mouth one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to cradle him and then slowly. Yeah. We can uh, do that. To cradle them and yeah, slowly sure. place Let's them in. That. Well, we did it class here, but we did bring it back to boobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, you brought it back to boobs. I did. I did. Yeah. Well, but, you know. But that's all right because this is your time. <sighs> is it? <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay? I'm very tired. I understand. <laughs> Is there anything we can do to make this better for you? No, no, no. Go and ask another question. I'll answer it in a professional manner. No, that's all right. If you're not, if you're not, if you're not happy, we're not happy. No, no. As long as you edit out all the boring bits, and I don't oh, mean no, you. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't edit anything out, really. Um, do you like? Do you like the? Do you like the country? Do you like our country? <laughs> so needy. Do you like our country? <laughs> yes, I. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's very easy, I think, once you've done something in England to become a bit... Um, English? <laughs> to become a bit English. <laughs> to become, what's the word? I might need another granola bar. Uh, Complacent? No. Uh, oh, I've got it. Okay, let's okay. start again. Okay. Um, Do you like our country? <laughs> you had on the first one we'll edit that one in okay no. <laughs> <laughs> just jarringly like, why did he get <laughs> um, uh, I think the thing that's lovely about being here is that it's more difficult to become disillusioned by show business here because you I don't know just the history and the there are there are icons of there are you know going on the David Letterman show is a is a very exciting thing to me that's a real thing that exists even though I know it's a television program it, the television programs in the UK are more like pretend to me I know that they're sets I know you know what I mean I know that they're I suppose it's maybe that the Letterman show is just there every night. And I know that they don't take that theatre down, right? you know, and then have to put it up again yeah. the next week. It's there. It's a solid thing. And also that he's been doing it for, what, over 30 years. 
Um, uh, yeah, about 30. And so yeah. that doesn't really happen in England. People do something for maybe 10 years and then decide it's a, this is a ridiculous thing to be doing for 10 years and then move on. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a real, you know, there's something more solid about show business in this country. And it's probably because you don't have a royal family, which is good, I think. Because in England, it's like whatever you do, well, you know, you're not the queen. <laughs> you right. <know>? Yeah. <laughs> Here, you, you know, you're the queen. You know, you're yeah. the, you know, you can actually, you know, people talk about people like Oprah Winfrey and Barbara Waters, like, like they're gods. You can break through the queen ceiling. You is can just, break yeah. through the yeah. queen ceiling. And that's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What I, well, you asked me about America, though. And I also, in New York, when you go to New York for the first time, it's like a film. And I was on the, I, I, you know, I went to visit a, I think I might have spoken to Mark Maron about this as well. But I went to, I went to, um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, then what happened? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, I won't do it again because it's too boring. But there are things like, there are things that wouldn't happen in England that are exciting, like, you know, meeting Whoopi Goldberg or. (laughs) Did you meet Whoopi Goldberg? Yeah. How was it? It was amazing. She seems like an interesting cat. She's like just so lovely and, uh, yeah. Wonder in what context did you meet her? Well, I sort of, I, my first TV appearance was on The View. And that was your so first American Did you do stand-up on The View, or did you just I did, panel? I did, I spoke to Joy Behar when she was there. Uh-huh. And she was a tense lady. Yes. I found the exact, <laughs> she's, uh, her first name is Ironic. Yeah. <laughs> I had got myself, I was quite, you know, nervous, and, uh, I got myself here, I'd meditated, and I was in this very peaceful place. And I, was, I said, okay, we, could just, we know what we're doing here. We go out, we can make these people laugh, it's no problem. And the moment I sat down next to Joy Behar, it all fell apart. <laughs> I just went, oh no, I'm about to do this television program live. And this woman seems, like, angry with me. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Well, she was the one. She used to be a stand-up, right? She was a stand-up in the eighties. Yeah, she was a stand-up for well into the. She was yeah. She was a stand-up for like twenty years. And do you think there was some you know resentment towards you for being what, a young stand-up? Do you I think? don't know what happened. Well, she's just not. I mean, there was I, just a tension. You know that there was just a tension. Maybe she does live television every day, and it was she's tense. No, no, no. I don't know. She was no. I don't think it's a. She was ner- I, I I had the same bad. I had a sa- the same bad experience with her. And it's why I never went back to do that show again. <laughs> because we showed a... Um, I was doing a web clip show a couple of years ago. And we showed this... A classic web clip of a girl who is singing. And she gets up on a coffee table. And she, the coffee table breaks and she falls down. It's dumb America's Funniest Home Video type of shit. Mm-hmm. But uh, everyone laughed. And then Joy, who's supposed to be a comedian, just goes... Oh, I don't think that's funny. Like on live television, and so I was like, "Well, I guess I shouldn't be here then." Like it was such a, it was such a bad. Worse like, than that, I was doing like jokes, and then she, uh, one of them, she went, "That's funny." Uh, <laughs> I, was like, what? I was like, "Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm doing here." What you, like, she was surprised. You know, you booked a comedian. Yeah. That's what. At least she didn't was. throw in actually. That's always even. That's actually. the double. And also, you could express it with laughter and not yeah, words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't have to yeah. label it. Sound for it, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
But all the all the other TV experiences I've had here have been really lovely, and all the all the Letterman's people were d- just delightful and really looked after me, and I, that's been the same. That's been the case with all the other. And Craig Ferguson was lovely. And, oh yeah, know. Ferguson's great. I mean, he's yeah. a you know he's a comic, so he like he's yeah. he's good to comics. And Jimmy Fallon was so sort of sweet, but everyone says that, right? Yeah, but he is. Are, are the are the are the who's who's in the, who are the talk shows in England? Is it Jonathan Ross? Jonathan Ross and Graham Norton. And Graham, right? Yeah. Graham's been doing a show for a very long time, right? Yeah, that's yeah, but they've but it hasn't but it but it's different forms different forms yeah. yeah not the same desk for 30 years now it's yeah. just like three really famous people sitting on the couch together but even but Graham, yeah, isn't Graham isn't he also isn't he once a week yeah yeah oh. see no one does it nightly over there no. that's oh oh i didn't realize that yeah but there's more shows though right like there's all the chat like an uh and no topical. i mean sure there's morning shows and stuff like that do you want to do a television would you want to do like a chat show or do you what do no, you want i sort of did i sort of did a show i sort of did a show where i was interviewing people and i've done a comedy show where there was a sort of a quiz element and buzzcocks yeah yeah and so i feel like i i i've done that a bit do you and do you not like it i liked it at the time i just felt like i'd asked every question there was right and made my point about celebrity, you know? It wasn't, yeah. I wasn't, I was there to sort of deconstruct and sort of poke fun at the whole thing. I, and uh, and in, 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 in a way that was so abrasive, it couldn't have really gone on for much longer. Right. Without it being weird for me to still <laughs> be doing it, you know? Once like, it became the expectation, you know, at the beginning of that show, it was like a bit shocking. And it was like, why is this guy saying these things when everyone should be just having a lovely time right and uh, and then it became the expectation and I thought I've got to get out of here because it won't be funny anymore yeah, yeah. and were you did you you made the decision to leave the yeah. show yeah that's a great I mean it is not a decision that I feel like gets made very often where someone has a job that's probably a pretty sweet job a pretty easy job and then going no I'm not going to do this anymore I'm going to take my chances I didn't find it easy. I found it stressful every week to come up with a new original way of saying that a person was silly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Would you want to come work here for a while? What? what, uh, I mean, do you need another white man? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, there can never be enough. (laughs) It could be be 300 million in one. (laughs) No, I ended up... um, so I left that show and the feelings that I had about wanting to do something more artful I put into this situation comedy called Grandma's House which was about a guy leaving a successful TV show and uh, wanting to do something more you know meaningful and artistic and, yeah. uh, and uh, yeah and that was really that, that, that was therapy then there was something that was really um, you know it felt like you know, writing this series and acting in it, it felt more like a more like stand up. In that, stand up is a way of me expressing stuff and getting it out of me. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I felt healed at the end of writing and and acting in that series. I felt like uh, I understood who I was in relation to my family, and it was a. Uh, and you don't get that from uh, interviewing celebrities. No. So I'm, I'm I'm interested more in carrying on writing and acting and doing stand-up. So in your stand-up, if you're sort of, do you ever get to a point where you go, well, you know, I'm either, and obviously the the perfect situation is to have both of these things, but where you say like, well, I can either make a point about this or I can try to make a joke, 
the joke might be a little more shallow. The point's a little deeper. Like, what's more important? Say that again. Would you rather make when you're when you're doing your stand-up? Would you rather be making a a point like a really deep point, or is it more important to like is the comedy always first? I don't think they're separate. I think uh, there. I I don't think there are any jokes that are just jokes in what I'm up to generally. I think there's always some sort of point that I'm. Because the way I, I don't sit down and write jokes. Right. I go up in front of about 50 people in the room who haven't paid very much with a list of things that I want to talk about, stuff that I'm curious or stressed or confused about, and then I just talk to the audience and see what ends up being funny. And so the, the whole thing is a... There's not, there's, not a, there's not a point where I write a joke that isn't anything to do with those things. Right. So it's all, it's all, um, uh, it's, it's, that's all intermingled, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you have a therapist? I did for two years. Did you ever pull anything out of therapy and put oh, it on? Oh, sure, the- sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying, I can't think of an example now, but all, I mean, yeah, the whole, this show I did numb, which was the show I did before this new show to be free was, you know, I discovered that I would, I discovered that I had depression in therapy and this, the word numb came up and this thing about not being able to feel anything and, uh, and uh, needing intimacy in my life more than anything else. And it, yeah, it all sort of fed into the, uh, into the stand-up. Because the stand-up's all about me, so there was, there's no, again, there's no separation between any of it. That's, that's, that's really interesting to hear you say that, because I, I, in times when I've been talking to the therapist, and I feel myself start to... Sometimes when I, if I feel the grip of a, oh, that feels like a bit, and I feel myself starting to perform for her, I'm like, oh, no, that's not what this is for. <laughs> yeah. I'm supposed to just talk about... I'm supposed yeah. to just talk about things. She told me not only did I not have to be funny in the room, that I didn't have to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> really? Not okay, at all? Not, you, you know, she said, you know you don't have to be interesting here. I was like, oh, wow, okay, then. Which is almost a backhanded, like... Because I know in the world, you feel like you have to be interesting all the yeah, time. Yeah, do you, yeah. Do you, do you think that's true? The, I, the, the which one? That you I, feel like you need to... Like, do you feel like you need to be interesting? Yeah, sometimes. I've, I've, I'm trying to let go of the responsibility. Like, I came here today thinking, well, this is your podcast. It's up to you to make it interesting. And, and uh, <laughs> I might have come across it by performance today. No. But sometimes I go to, like, I did... The opening uh, bit in this new show that I'm touring is about going on the Radio 1 breakfast show, uh, which is the main BBC, the main breakfast show uh, in, in the UK. And, um, and this show is about needing to be free of the need to be loved and thought of as special and interesting and brilliant. And because of that desire... I caused a lot of problems for myself. So on this Radio 1 breakfast show, it was the morning that Nelson Mandela had died. And, uh, and the producer had, had asked me to not make any jokes about that, which was like, upsetting to me, because I'm like, not like an insensitive lunatic. Right. <laughs> I'm a brilliant, vulnerable clown. <laughs> so, uh, and so, the, so the interview begins, and it was, I, I felt like a lot of pressure, because I'd been on that show a year previous to this moment, and um, I was really funny. 
<laughs> like so I surprise myself because I haven't been on the show before and I get I get very stressed out with those things and I was funny and I thought well I've got to be even more funny this time because that's the way these things are supposed to work if you're funny once you then have to be the more funny and I didn't know how to be more funny because a lot of the funny the previous time had come from the fact that I was there for the first time and I was sort of noticing all the new things around oh, right, me right, and, right, right, right. and uh, deconstructing the whole thing so I was sat there going, I don't know how to be... And then the host opens with a story about a cheese sandwich that he's eaten. And not even that morning. And, <laughs> and I know that he's, sort of, he's, he's, he's asking me about what I've eaten for breakfast to, to sort of, um, you know, to make me seem like I'm a likeable, normal guy. Mm-hmm. But that's not what I'm going for. When I'm on the radio, <laughs> I want people to be going, shh, we must listen for the wisdom. <laughs> and so uh, he, you know, it rambles on, and I'm thinking, my head, this is so boring, this is so boring. And what I should have thought is, well, it's his show, it's his show. You know, I, just, I can just be here and promote my stand-up DVDs. I don't, I don't have to be so fascinating. And, um, but because I was thinking, I've got to find a way to make this interesting, uh, it occurred to me that it might be... Oh, no, it was actually sort of beyond my control. Before I got to the studio, before I sat down, I walked past... They have an urban station called One Extra, urban music station, and I, I sort of noted in my head that the that studio was exclusively black people in a booth, <laughs> and the Radio 1 studio, which was where I was, was exclusively white people in a much nicer booth. <laughs> and I thought on the way to the studio, well, don't mention that. That's something... <laughs> that's not for they today. But then when it was so boring, and I was like feeling this terrible pressure to be funny and interesting and different and sort of wake people up from this monotony, I said, what's going on at the BBC? And he said, what do you mean? I said, there are a lot of white people in here. And I hadn't made my point very clearly. So, <laughs> so I said, well, next door in a separate booth, there are only black people. And I don't think Mandela would approve. <laughs> and then, and then Which silence. Which is a good joke, by the way. Well, I don't know what it was, but it didn't. It, I should have known not to say it because there was tension. The host was forced to apologise. And then I was like, oh, what, how did this happen? It, was, it just sort of like came out of me because I like, had to say something. And uh, it's a, that's so I, I'm really trying to surrender to whatever the situation is and not not try to control it. I suppose all the time. There you go. There's well, it's hard. It's hard to not control things, especially because I think the um, you know I think if you're a stand up, you get real into like when you go on stage, you're controlling the environment. You're yeah. you're, you're on stage alone, so you're yeah. essentially controlling the outcomes. And, and also because we work with like you know, it's constant response from the audience. Like I feel like if you're a comedian, you have a heightened awareness of what is interesting and when people are when you're losing them, when they've gone somewhere else. So I feel like when I'm on another show. Sometimes the host doesn't know that everyone's gone to sleep. Right. And I'm and I want to go, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> you can't do that. No. It's very yeah. difficult to surrender control yeah. into uh into a show. But like in the podcast though, I don't I like it I sort of like the energy of the guests to dictate like how the show goes. Right. Cuz I don't want to force them cuz I, I don't want people to be in that situation where cuz I've done so many radio interviews over the years where I just felt uncomfortable because I came into some pre-existing system. Right. I didn't know what their buzzwords were, if I was the, the joke of the butt of the joke yeah. or if I wasn't getting something or what. And you can tell that it's like, oh, this is their domain. And, they, and so I never want people to feel that way. I always want people to feel like, 
oh, you know, we're just uh, having a conversation, hang out. There's no expectations, and it's not like it doesn't have to follow any set thing over and over and over again. But don't you think? Oh, but there's people listening, and we have to be in some way entertaining. Well, it's free. It's free. It's free. But I don't think I don't think you have to over control something for it to be entertaining. Oh, well, this is true. You know, like yeah, I think right. I think the hardest. I think one of the hard things to understand as a performer is is to say, oh, I can just be myself. I don't have to mm. do anything. If you're comfortable as yourself, like you're just naturally a funny, entertaining person. You don't have to do that. You just are that. So as long as you can get your brain out of the way, then it's, I think it's entertaining. I agree. <laughs> now what you got? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. That's the end of the podcast? Yeah. No, that's not the end. When does your, when does your actual official tour start? I think, um, I think it starts, the, U, the, the US bit starts in April, I think. Is that right, Arnold Engelman? Yes. The tour manager says yes. And how many April. dates? I don't know. It begins in New York. There's a sort of a sort of um, mini residency in New York, and then we go around the country, and then we end in New York again. Are you doing Los Angeles? Yeah, Largo. That Largo, yeah, yeah. It's a, you've done Largo before, though. Yeah, Haven't a couple you? of times. I yeah. really like Largo. It's a great, yeah, space. great space. Oh boy, it really is. It's one of the best spaces in Los Angeles. LA does not have a lot of great live performance spaces. Yeah, they got a lot of okay places. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 13th of April? 13th of in April. In New York? And LA, then Denver, then Chicago, then Austin, then back to New York for filming. Okay, nice. good. Oh, you're filming at the special? Hopefully. Oh, that's fantastic. Hopefully. We're talking. We're talking to the people. Who are the people? I don't know. People listening? You're talking to the people <laughs> We're listening? Talking. Hello. If, if anyone has a camera. <laughs> yeah, well, there, yeah well, there's a the manager talking to important people. And then once you shoot the special, are you like if you do shoot the special? Yeah, um, is that the end goal, or to then like okay, now scrap that, and then you're going to start over again? Yeah, I think I will have performed it for three months, and and that's after performing it for you know over a, a year of working it up. So that, that's probably enough for that show, I think. Yeah, I wanted, and I'll yeah, I'll be thinking, well, these aren't my problems anymore. There's new problems. So that's really the lifeblood of the thing. Like you really need to you're expressing stuff on stage that you're actually feeling in that general time frame. Yeah. Do you find it hard to uh did you ever get to a place where you were trying to talk about something that didn't bug you anymore, that you didn't feel passionate about, and it didn't come off like well as it used to, just because you're not the passion wasn't there? I think it becomes performance and I know how to I know how to find the emotion that I had when I first thought of the thing yeah. to say. So, and you find new, you know, it becomes this, it becomes its own thing. What's wonderful, I think, is that eventually everything becomes a story, and so it, it doesn't hurt anymore, you know. Because I think that's the, I think what we do as human beings is make meaning out of what we perceive has happened, and once you, which is all the story, so once you actually construct a story for an audience that's then the you know like when you take a photograph of an event sometimes all you can remember really is the photograph sometimes like a breakup that hurt me deeply what i remember now are the brilliant lines (laughs) 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 take a look back at those finally yeah and so when i when i talk about it's very hard to talk about something that happened in the past, I've turned into stand-up since. When, when I talk about, oh, well, this boyfriend, was it was very difficult, and what happened there, 
And then I and then I think of all the material. I think, okay, well, I can't just do that. I can't do my act. Let's have, and it's very difficult to talk about it because I've, I, I've it's been it's it's now this solid. It's been vertical. sorted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's been packaged and sorted. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a strange. Yeah, it's strange. And also, uh, well, the, in, with relationships in terms of, if you've ever been in a bad relationship, and sometimes a little time will pass and you'll go. I know I felt bad about that, but I don't really feel like why can't I reconnect with any of those? And I think, you know, partially your brain will actually to protect you separate a lot of the sense memories from like a bad situation where it doesn't even have to be like a bad relationship, just like a bad situation. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can be a little hard to connect because your brain is actually trying to protect you from from that. Do you feel like you need to? really feel something before you can write about it or can you just sort of tinker and and figure it out i'm writing it at the, the moment it happens so it's not like i have to go back to the like that breakup i was just talking about i was writing about i was performing stuff about that like a week after it happened well then i'm sorry if this is a dumb question but do you seek out tumultuous situations so no. that you can write no no i want to i want to heal myself i want to feel at peace i want to i want to be content and if you did feel that even if it meant that you would you would you trade that in for like not that you I don't think one you can have I think you can have both but if it was a choice between like you can be peaceful but maybe you won't be as funny or maybe you won't be as do you have that superstition no, not really because my feeling is that um that that show I did called numb if I'd have carried on feeling like that I would have killed myself right so and also, even if I hadn't killed myself, I would have ended up writing a new stand-up show, which had the same jokes as the last stand-up show. Right. I've got this new show because I was able to sort of deal with all those problems, and now some other stuff popped up. Right. And that's the new show, and it's not as sad and not as tragic, but it's, it's still, a, there's a struggle there, and there's a journey that I'm going on in this show. And uh, there's just always something, you know, there's always something. Life is, you know, a bit of a business, isn't it? So. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and I think it's like once you learn how to process whatever's going on and turn into thing, I think it it would be inauthentic for you to be writing old, like old relationships. Yeah, and I don't want to sort of turn myself like you know. There was a sort of feeling like I could be like the the you know the sad character with that. If I'd have carried on, I don't want to. I don't want to sort of box myself into some sort of character who can be uh, you know. If you if it's very easy to parody a, a stand up, I think they're you know that then then. They haven't sort of evolved as maybe as as much as right. they could do over the years. Right. Well, that's quite a bold statement. I'm not sure if I even believe that. <laughs> that was a fast backpedal. I don't know what. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that now. That's okay. Listen, you can take stuff back that here. That period if you want. was a question mark. But my my but part of why I'm doing it is because it it helps me, and it's not just like like that sitcom. We could have. We did two seasons, and we could have done a third, but I felt like I'd figured it out. Mm -hmm. I'd figured out who I was. And so uh, there was the reason to do a third would to be to make another funny uh, season of the show, but that didn't feel like that was enough reason for me. It would be gratuitous to just do another one that was just funny where I wasn't healed in any way. I think that I have a tremendous amount of respect for that. But it's also a bit selfish because it's a shame that <laughs> it's a shame that I can't just want to make people laugh. 
No, I, listen, if it were me, I would be like, I, I'd be do, do, I'd be in like season eight, being like, I know I don't feel anything anymore, but I don't care. Just keep it fucking like, I, like the idea of, of, you know, you know, I really don't feel this way anymore. Like, that's, that's so much more artistic. <laughs> I mean, it really is. I always kind of feel bad sometimes for people who don't have stand up as a as a means to deal with stuff mm-hmm. that people actually horrible stuff happens to them and they don't like i, I kind of go like oh well how did they express to a lot of you know how did they kind of get work that shit out drinking and violence i guess that's true yeah yeah, yeah. do you yeah. feel like uh do you feel like you're much better off because of stand up yeah yeah i don't know what would have happened otherwise I mean, it's really yeah, it's really saved me. What would have happened? Yeah, it's a, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's really, and it's also such a great, um, such a great thing to be able to do while you're trying to think of what the next TV or film thing might be. You know, right. like while you're, because it takes a long time to write uh, sort of something, you know, something fictional. Take that takes a long time to sort of structure something brilliant and have it be ready for people to watch. So. It's nice to... Uh, oh, God, this is going to become very long and <laughs> low energy. Hang on. No, 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 no. What's the beginning of the... What was the question? No, no, no. <laughs> I think... <laughs> I think you're... Some you're, of this out. you're, you're you started becoming a real person. About that yeah. st- it's not... There's, I was completely interested were, in what you were saying. Where was I? So, go on, I'll pick it up. You were... You were you, but you're being, su- you're being too hard on yourself. Or you're being too hard on the... I, I think maybe. maybe there's more... You're thinking too highly of the audience. So I... <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, where was I? So I was saying that stand-up is great to be able to do. And it say... What did I say that it's... You said it, you said it saved you? <laughs> trying to do pickups on a podcast when it's not your thing. Hang on, okay. So, yeah, I think it has. And, uh, yeah, I get to... Like, something, something confuses me or something upsets me. And I get to go in front of people and talk about it and gauge from their reaction whether I'm an idiot or whether it's, it's valid that I'm upset. You know, I get... I, there's some feedback there. There's a, and, and this is the thing I always say in almost every interview, but the thing that's amazing is when you think you're alone in thinking something or feeling something and they laugh, which feels like it means that they feel that as well mm-hmm. and you're not alone and they heal you with that laughter and you've healed them by expressing something that was shameful that is that's there's nothing better than that bit. well what what do you think of what for you like what's the hardest thing that you've talked about on stage that where that happened uh i'm trying to think uh there was a bit that i i just thought there's no way I thought of it before I got to the Work in Progress show. It was something that had sort of been, you know, weighing on my mind for a while. Why do I feel like this? And I thought, okay, well, let's just, you know, we're not going to, it's not going to become something that's in the show. Absolutely not. But we'll just try it out in this room, 50 people. There's no, you know, as long as nobody's filming it, we'll be fine. And so I go on the stage and I say, um, I, I, I say this, this Justin Bieber. <laughs> I said, I don't know why, but I, 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 something in me wants to fuck him till he cries. <laughs> <laughs> and it got 
this really big laugh, and I thought, oh no, that's now that's in the show now. I can't, <laughs> I can't undo that. So that's that's now in the show. Yeah, that's great. But that's fantastic. I mean, like that's. But they got it. They were like, yeah, we feel like that as well. Yeah, <laughs> I don't imagine it would take long. Yeah, that's somebody yeah. else said that to me. Yeah. It yeah. wouldn't take long. Yeah, just start I thought it was like an insult to me. Like, what? It wouldn't take long because it was me doing it. Well, have, you ever been <laughs> a, have, you ever, have you ever felt affronted by something where you're like, well, of course everyone feels this way. And then you oh, say right. it and then people are like, what? Uh, yeah, probably. I can't think of an example. But j- yeah, yeah, I suppose that happens as well. Yeah, but no, what happens is I'll say something I just think is the, a sentence. I don't think it's funny. I think it's just the sense of a, of a normal human being. And then they laugh and I go, why is that funny? And it's because I'm like a moron. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's just yeah. because you're just, you know, like you're just being you and that doesn't feel like anything. And so I think that's where people get tricked. They're like, well, that doesn't feel like anything. It's just, I'm just me. I'm like, yeah, but you're funny. Like, that's funny. You know, yeah. you being you is funny. But, but that's be- but because of the moronic nature of my personality. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, I'm just sort of, yeah, that's it. That's it, right? What do you have to... What, when you get done with the show, what is it about the show that makes you feel like, oh, yeah, I did, you know, I did exactly what I... Like, what makes you feel like you had a successful show? Is it just people laughing or is it you expressing things in a certain way? Mm, maybe that I've come to some sort of point by the end. That, that uh, uh, So when I'm... At the beginning, when I'm doing those work-in-progress shows, all I know is I've got a few different things that I want to talk about, and then eventually some theme emerges. So in the first special I did, which was called Do Nothing, it was about acceptance. I realised all these stories were about acceptance, and the sitcom was kind of about acceptance as well, my family not accepting me, me not accepting them. And, and in the last show, what was that one about? I can't remember. And then in this one, in this one, it's it's the theme was uh, freedom, and um, it's when I've found out who I am a bit more than than what I knew before I did the show. Right. That's to me, that's a success that I've peeled something away. That I've uh, got rid of a load of nonsense that I thought, um, and yeah, that, and that people. If there's a moment that where where you where you where people can feel where people feel connected to something, um, I'm trying to think of an example from the current show. Uh, yeah, I suppose I suppose it's I mean it, it's like uh, when a character in a film goes on a journey. The classic thing is that. Uh, there's an imbalance at the beginning and that they have to restore sure. some balance by the end. And so I suppose I set up with these shows, I'm not just setting it up like it's a, you know, a fake thing, there is imbalance in my life. And then by the end, I've, I've, uh, I've dealt with whatever the problem was and I've found some, uh, something that means everything is in balance again. Right. Does that make sense? It makes a, yeah. a hundred. It makes perfect sense. So in the current show, I'm battling, uh, I'm battling my ego for the sake of freedom. I'm, I, I, I'm, I've asserted that I would be completely free if it wasn't for my ego needing to be loved by strangers. Right. And then by the end of the show, after various bits of stuff, uh, I've somehow combined both. I've somehow put, I, I've allowed the ego to exist within myself so that, 
So I mean, that, you tell the audience you don't need them, and you tell them to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> one by one, tell them every single one. <laughs> I don't need strangers yeah. to like me. Get the fuck out. Yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> and it just the show just ends weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the show just ends strange and weird. I feel like I shouldn't try to do the big sentences that start too serious. No, no, but you, you know, no, no, <sighs> you're fine. I'm sweating from this. You're doing a great podcast. job. It's great. You've killed me. You've killed me. How can I now do this gig with Christian Schaal? <laughs> oh, oh, you're, you're doing, doing hot tub. Hot tub. Yeah. Nice. Fun show. It would have been if it hadn't been for this first. I know. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. Well, we're, we're a sworn enemy of the hot tub show, so we try to, <laughs> we try to break people before they go do the show okay. so that they're left in shambles. <laughs> but any, it, other, any further questions? Uh, not if you need to go. No, no, I don't. No, keep going. Sorry. I just You, you, you breeze by something that I thought was really interesting, and, and I'm sure Mark probably asked you about it. <laughs> Uh, I'm so sorry. No, no, I'm glad you told us. I'm glad you told us. That's so funny to me. What? <laughs> Just that he would say that, that we, I'm sorry. I'm glad to he said this. something because he wants I to hit on other things. Yeah, no, he wants I to talk totally about other things. It, I don't need to. It's great that you did that. And I think it's, I think it's, we don't want to just let us tell the same story. The same, yeah, you need to tell the same story. But did you talk about, because you were describing this whole experience and then you were like, well, my family didn't expect, accept me and I didn't accept them. Did you talk about that with Mark? Mm, maybe a little bit maybe not that much go on what do you want to know well I'm just curious like what was that part of what kind of got you into what you do and you know like what was it mm. um do they are they do you are you cool with them now oh yeah it's it's uh I, I learned that I was the idiot that I it was my I used to I used to visit my family hoping that they would be different to how they were the time before. What I learned is that if you don't expect them to be any different, then it's a very peaceful, loving time. <laughs> yeah. uh, just accept them as funny and like weird people. Then it's great. Oh, and and that I'm weird. I'm it, and of course they were going to find me strange. You know, of course that was going to be a. I, we're all different human beings. It's you know everyone. You know I can't imagine what it's like to be a parent. You sort of you give birth to this thing. You think they're going to grow up a certain way. It turns out that they're their own thing, and it was you know there's no way of controlling that. And then they've got their own opinions, and they've and then they go off and talk about you and stand up. Whole <laughs> 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 sick come about you. <laughs> what a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, but it, it. But I discovered that I was the. Uh, that in terms of my own peace and contentment, I was the problem, because when we were writing the pilot of this sitcom. Uh, it wasn't very funny, and it was because my character was right about everything. And because that's, that's, that's what I thought was funny, was that they were all ridiculous, yeah. and that I was right. And then it, we, we even shot it. The BBC said, yeah, shoot that, and we shot it. And it was like, oh, my God, there's something really wrong about this. And it turned out that my character was not, you know, was not flawed in any way. And so we, we then went... Then it became two years of therapy with my co-writer, where... We sort of, you know, tore me apart to discover exactly what was wrong with me. And, and it was I wanted to change them all. And I was snobby and, uh, you know, all these things. And, yeah, it was... That's interesting. I've never heard... I mean, usually you're so used to hearing people say, you know, oh, they didn't understand me. My parents didn't understand me. But it's very rare that someone goes, and I didn't understand them. <laughs> like, yeah. that, that I didn't, I didn't, you know, like, when I was growing up, I don't think I made any effort to try to understand 
my parents. It was just like, oh, well, they don't this or they don't that, but it's never... And I guess maybe I didn't make any effort to try to understand them. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if your circumstances were different. Um, the or- only way, I think the only way to, like, forgiveness and understanding is through... At some point, you just have to go... And I think it's important what I didn't do, actually. I, I remember doing a lot of forgiveness before doing anger. You have to do the anger first. <laughs> you have to, like, like, really get that out of you. And then once you've got all the anger out of you, how through whatever... Not necessarily shouting at them, uh, or you could write a sitcom. Um, then you could, then you go to okay. Well, they were fallible human beings. They were kids when they started having children. They were from a different place in a different time. They, you know, saw different. You know, they. I mean, everything is. Everything changes all the time. You know, people are people are. What's the word? I'm not witness. People are. Malleable. I don't know. Anyway, we're all observers. We're observers, <laughs> learners. I listen. Don't people are voyeurs. People are. You can't go. You, the, I think what I'm trying to say is what I'm trying to say is uh, you can't just keep going. I just wish they'd have been different. I just wish they'd have been more like this because they just weren't. Right. And so you know, they just weren't, and they were fine. They did. They presumably they did their best with you know, and also I wouldn't have. To start doing stand-up if it hadn't have been a bit tricky, some of it. So, uh... Do you think you'll ever want to raise kids? Maybe. I don't, yeah, maybe. It's the fifth, that's the fifth hour. It's about kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Should I have some children? Not yet. Three years, maybe? Okay. <laughs> Okay. That's a lot of pressure. We'll check I didn't it. know this would come up. Yeah, now you oh just gave yourself gosh. a... T- now there's a yeah. ticking clock. Have you got children? No, I don't. Should, have you got children? No. no. None of us, none of no. us have kids. No. We're all childless. Katie doesn't have kids. Right. Katie's got a great dog. Yeah. She's home right now. I've got a cat. i got a dog and a cat. I win. How's your cat? Nope. <laughs> Fuck you and your animals. We're talking about Simon. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> how are you? How's you? How's your cat? Who's taking care of your cat? Well, you my boyfriend is taking care of the cat right now. Nice. Does he send you pictures? Go like the cat's not dead. Check yeah, it out. Sometimes, there's yeah, something like that. Yeah, sometimes. It's good to know. Do you get a lot of look? Do you get a lot of adorable like look what the cat just did? Like, is it? Do you get like adorable cat pics or are they more just check in pics? Chicken. Check in. Oh, check in. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't got a chicken. We got a chicken <laughs> while you were gone. This is why you shouldn't leave me in charge. Uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, not many pictures and not many. Not Yeah, there's usually just words. Usually words. Yeah. <laughs> usually words. Usually words in your yeah. text? Oh, the occasional Snapchat. Oh, nice. Yeah, but not like a saucy one, just like, no. <laughs> here's some chickpeas that I cooked. Here's the cat's dick. Why are you sending me this? How would you find it? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I hope you had an okay time. I think so. Yeah, think no, we'll was, think about it. Right. Let it simmer and then get yeah. back to us. Think about it. <laughs> You'll do some sort of edit to make me more interesting, right? Nope. You'll do something clever. It's just going to go out as is. No, it can't. It will. How? Magic. <laughs> It's actually very easy to not edit anything because yeah. then it's, there's no work involved. Sure, but there were moments when I'd sort of just stopped talking. Yep. <laughs> Those will be in there so people know the real you. <laughs> How's that for <laughs> unveiling? <laughs> okay. 
So how will... It's very freeing, right? In theme with your tour. No, I don't like it. <laughs> no. <laughs> you will at the end of your show. Okay. Uh, all right, good. Well, this is your... Sh- now I think... This is how much of a control freak I am. Now I think I have to wrap it up. Yeah, please. Like, ask you if you had a nice time. And, like, and thank, thanks for coming. Is there anything you want to talk about? <laughs> well, I'll be performing at... No, and then I start promoting my own dates. <laughs> No, it was great. Who's and, uh, next? Who else you got on this podcast? Who's next week? Bill Gates. Oh, he's good. He's funny. Yeah, Bill Gates is Thursday. Sure. Um, Laugh right with that guy. <laughs> what if he's like? He would bat an eye. What if? What if? What if? What if Bill Gates is like? Oh yeah, Marinari asked me that question. I'm like what? <laughs> no. no! Yeah, he's next. Me if Paul McCartney said that to us. If he was there, he said Marin. Yeah. Uh, I said I can't talk about the Beatles. I talked about that with Marin. <laughs> <laughs> so, Beatles, huh? Yeah. What's that like? I was always more of a Stones guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's totally what he would say. Well, it's true. <laughs> uh, all right, excellent. Uh, thank you for being here, Simon. Thanks for having me. And enjoy your burrito, everyone. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. It's all a lighthearted nightmare on our podcast, Morbid. We're your hosts. I'm Alina Urquhart. And I'm Ash Kelly. And our show is part true crime, part spooky, and part comedy. The stories we cover are well-researched. He claimed and confessed to officially killing up to 28 people. With a touch of humor. I'd just like sure. to go ahead and say that if there's no band called Malevolent Deity, that is pretty great. A dash of sarcasm and just garnished a bit with a little bit of cursing. This motherfucker lied like a liar like a liar and if you're a weirdo like us and love to cozy up to a creepy tale of the paranormal or you love to hop in the way back machine and dissect the details of some of history's most notorious crimes you should tune in to our podcast morbid follow morbid on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen to episodes early and ad free by joining wondery plus in the wondery app or on apple podcasts